0: I'm going to set up a couple of things that will help me with the message. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We go back there. This morning, first message came from this passage last week. I want to continue these thoughts of moving forward by what we see in Paul's prayer. It was a prayer that was very clear. It was a prayer for the power of God and then how that power is going to start in our soul, in our heart. I had a great experience this week of meeting some great spiritual giants and champions in my life. People that I'd only gotten to watch from a distance. Have you ever had a friend and they were your friend but you had never even talked to them? You just made them your friend. And, and you thought, I'm going to learn from this person. And they don't know it but they... They have a friend in me. And maybe should the Lord have it one day, I'll get to meet him. And one of those occasions happened this past Thursday. I was in an environment uh, of a bunch of great speakers. And T.D. Jakes was one of them. And he was sitting right there with me. And he then went and spoke. And it was amazing as he was speaking to a group of pastors and business people. And his message was amazing. He said, on, he said y'all see I have a huge head. And I just want to tell you, sitting by the guy, that dude has a big head. He said, on this side is like Bill Gates, and on this side is like Mother Teresa. And he says, I hear that voice of Mother Teresa, and it leads me to seeing all of the needs in the world and how much care and concern and mercy needs to be given. And then I hear the Bill Gates over on this side saying, you're going to need a lot of money to do that. And out of, of those two frames, he, he brought a great word. But when it was all over, I had just a few moments and I, I, said, I said to the bishop, I said, I'm, I'm speaking out of Ephesians. I'm talking about the love of God, power of God, the inner strength of God. I said, give me something that you see from that text. And he said, that's Ron. He said, my mamma taught me and Paul has taught me that the direct route to the power of God is the name of Jesus. And he said, there are times that all I can do is speak that name. And he said, it is a direct route to the inner strength that makes all things new. Amen. Have a great rest of the day. See you later. <laughs> that, that's kind of like oh, that's it, right? That is it. I'm gonna move this around a little bit. Ephesians 3. Here we go. This is this is Paul's prayer. It starts in verse 14. You see the the attitude of his heart. He's wanting the church to experience the power of God in the inner man. It has to start there. I'm gonna read for you the second sentence of verse 17. Because it is the message of the morning. And we'll take one part of this sentence this morning, the next part tonight. So don't miss tonight, but for this morning it says, second sentence of verse 17. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I'll say that again. Your roots, they will grow, they will grow down, they grow down into God's love and it will keep you strong. If you don't have the New Living Translation, perhaps your version says something like this. And you being rooted and grounded in the love of God. Or, and you being rooted and established in the love of God. Rooted and established. Two different words, yet leading us to something very important. The first one today, rooted. It is... Speaking of my standing and what I'm standing on, what I'm standing in. I am to be rooted in the love of God in order to move forward in the power of God. I am to be rooted in the love of God in order to move forward and express the love of God. If I'm going to know that which is exceedingly and abundantly above anything I could ask or think... It is going to then be determined by my standing, that which I'm built upon. I say to you, I am not an artist. But I want to, to do something here today. Here we are, very happy, very happy. We need some arms to praise him. Ephesians 3 is about what's happening right here. My standing. It says to be rooted in the love of God. Because whatever I am rooted in is going to impact my heart. I live out of my heart. The decisions I'm going to make tomorrow are already made today in my heart. The way I will treat people... ...is determined by what's happening in my heart. The way I act, react... ...is all about what's happening in my heart. What influences my heart... ...is determined by what I'm planted in. What I'm standing on. If I am planted in the love of God... ...then the expression of my life... ...will be the love of God... ...which is the power of God... ...because there's no greater power... Than the love of God. Now, this, it has been said that the space between me and another person, this space right here, is going to give me influence. I get to influence this space. What's going to happen between you and me will be determined by what's happening in me. That's what Paul is saying to the church. He is praying that the church will be so rooted and established in the love of God so that the culture they create will be an expression of the power of God, a manifestation of the power of God, would be the love of God. One of the great teachers I've had says, culture is the space between us. We are to be cultural architects. We are to set the atmosphere. We are to be influencers. Study the early disciples. They went into communities that were very uh, aggressive in their anti-God stance. And yet, the way they lived, we saw entire communities transformed. Paul saw cities come under the influence of the power of God. There was such a love of God in him and then through him that entire communities were changed. Should we still believe for this this community to change? Should we still pray bold enough that God would take the heart of a sinner and turn them into a follower of Christ? Should we believe for people like the Collins, tens of thousands of them that come up against hard times in life, and every word you said amazed me and it is my Passionate vision for this church. It doesn't trace back to a sermon. It traces back to the love of God through the people of God. An act of kindness to say, hey, there is a ministry that can help you. Goes to the ministry. She said, the people were kind. That comes out of the heart, that comes out of who we are, or else you know it's fake. And so no doubt it was coming authentically because they sensed that. And and then an act of kindness in, hey, we have other things going on. We have a great Christmas event where there's there's a dinner and there are gifts and we would love to have you. Act of kindness, love of God, seeing our good works, they glorify our Father. We had the Collins on this side and the assembly on this side and what was filling up the space between us ...was the love of God... ...and that love has now drawn them to Christ... ...now in a class to to really get involved... ...to get assimilated... ...and already doing acts of kindness out of their lives. That's where we need to praise God. That's the church being the church. The love that we're established in is flowing through us. Consider what should fill up this space... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. What's the next one? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I'm going to put G because I'm out of space. And over here, whoo, that's a good one right there. Self-control. When I am rooted in the love of God, I'm rooted in relationship. Rooted talks about soil, doesn't it? Planted. As I am rooted, planted in relationship, I begin to grow what Galatians 5 teaches us. To be the fruit of the Spirit. Don't you know our community could use more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you see now through that that the darker it gets, the more the light can shine? Do you see that right now is our greatest hour With the world at its worst, if we can be at our best, we are going to influence a harvest of lost people to come to know Christ. Do you see that this is the moment to move forward in the love of God and the power of God? The love of God in me, the love of God through me, so that more people like this can say, I now know the God who changes lives. Oh, hallelujah. Psalm 1 says we're to be careful where our counsel comes from so that we're not sitting in a seat of the scornful, standing in the way of the sinner, but that we are planted and we're planted in the right place by the river of living water. And it says our fruit will come forth It will come forth in its season and it will not wither. The local church is designed to work. Pastor Barry made an interesting statement. He said, there's nothing like the church when it's really working rightly. What's the other side of that? There's nothing like the church when it's dysfunctioning. The way we function, the way we work is never going to be by code. It's never going to be by lists. It's going to be by authentic relationship. If I know him and I'm going deep in my relationship with him, that's what's influencing my heart. If I've had more of CNN and Fox News and Rush Limbaugh and anybody else, Influencing my heart and ESPN. Don't say anything right there because. If we had more of that influence this week than we have our vertical relationship with Christ. Then chances are I can tell you more about the game than I can about grace. I can tell you more about current events than I can about end time events. I can tell you more about cultural things than I can about the Christ who can change your life. Whatever I'm rooted in influences my heart, shakes my thinking. As a result, I speak and I act. Oh, that we would be rooted in the love of God. Our tendency, and there's nothing wrong with this, we identify along the way, we have natural abilities. God gave them to us. We start to develop them. At that development stage, we may have a mentor. We may have additional education. And so we're climbing the ladder. We're succeeding. We're progressing. We get a position or another position. We now have a network of relationships. We've continued to hone our skill set. And now through, through talent and network... Education, I continue to advance, and I have climbed the ladder of success, and everything is going well. However, if my character has not kept pace with my achievement, then I learn that my talent can take me where my character cannot keep me. That I can end up tripped up by my own success. Success. If while I am climbing the capacity ladder I am not simultaneously climbing the character ladder then the anointing in my life never gets realized in its full potential because I'm tripped up and knocked down Suffer a great fall, and how devastating is the fall? How many people have we seen they climbed the ladder and they're very successful, but because their character did not keep pace with their achievement, their talent took them where their character couldn't keep them, and down they came. And it's a miserable, horrible looking thing, and it not only hurts them, it hurts a lot of other people. If I'm not rooted and established in relationship and growing, what you you see in the fruit of the Spirit, that's godly character. To grow in Christ's likeness is to grow the fruit of the Spirit. That God is so brilliant in how He he put this all together. We we often pray, I want to be like Jesus. I want Christ formed in me. What's the practical Application of that, I'll be more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. I'll, I will start looking more and more like him. So when I want to ask you today, what about you needs to change in order to move forward in the vision God has for you? What about you would need to change in order to be more influential for Christ? Coming into this position, I said, Lord, you know, you have a great vision for the assembly. What about me has to change in order for this church to be all that it can be? I want to place the ladder on the ground. And now, instead of it being vertical, I want you to see it as the, you know, we're moving forward step by step. If If I'm moving forward only in the talent God has given me and not in developing character, at some point, I'm going to get off track. And if that's the direction of God, but I get off even one step and keep going, a week from now, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, I'm way off track. What keeps me on track is growing in godly character, being rooted in the love of God where I'm moving forward in love and joy, peace, patience, goodness. That's the influence of my life. That's what fills the, the space. This is a message that could change a home where you work. Ask yourself, what's, what's the attitude and atmosphere of your home? And if it's not all that you want it to be, what about you needs to change in order for the atmosphere of your home to change? See, what about me needs to change? That's the critical question. What of the nine fruit that we see listed here needs to be in greater measure in my life? Which one is most absent? What would be the weakest amount Fruit is excess life. A tree bears fruit because there's so much life going on in that tree that it can push out fruit that it doesn't even need. The fruit is for other people. If there is the kind of godly influence happening in my heart, then there will be so much of the life of Christ in me that then I begin to bear fruit. So much love in me that I bear the fruit of love, and that love can be for you because I've got plenty on the inside. I can minister the peace of God because I have enough peace in my heart that I can minister peace. Hallelujah. So much goodness and faithfulness and self control that I can model and mentor, minister that. We try to mentor people through what we say. And forgetting we cannot reproduce what we say. We can only reproduce what we are. I call, I plead with all of us to check our authentic relationship with Christ. Not our church attendance, not our giving record. All of which will be signs of how things are going. But if we don't check this, we're not checking the real deal. I ask you, what about it needs to change? God has a vision for you. I know he has a vision for us, and I know he has a vision for you. But as he expands your life, you've got to strengthen character. Old Testament, he said, as we enlarge the tent, we must strengthen the stakes. That makes sense, doesn't it? You see the combination? As influence increases, there must be a depth of that which is really making me who I am. Let it drill down in your heart. So what about me needs to change? We all as those if you pay any attention to golf or not, you've heard the name Tiger Woods. You have to be amazed that this guy comes out of college. He basically quit college because there's no one else that left to compete with. Before he plays his first professional tournament, he is signed by Nike for $100 million. He hadn't played the first professional tournament. And they sign him for that amount of money. Perhaps you remember the first Masters he played in. Now, that tournament is one of the big tournaments. And rookies don't tend to make the cut. First of all, that he would even find himself in the Masters and really hadn't gone on to the pro circuit. Then that he would make the cut because most rookies, under that kind of pressure on that difficulty of a course, they don't make the cut. They need a few years of learning what the back nine of that golf course is really like. He makes the cut. Not only does he make the cut, he wins the tournament. Not only does he win the tournament, he wins the tournament by 12 strokes. And Nike is going, we got a sweet deal. <laughs> After that tournament, they interviewed Tyre. He says, I'm excited that I won, but I can't win long-term with my present game. I must retool. You just won the Masters by 12 strokes. He gets a coach and for a solid year, he works on his body and on his swing. He works on his core. He works on his swing. A guy who had obliterated all the records in college golf now comes on the scene, wins the Masters by 12 strokes, then goes into a complete retooling. He said, what about me needs to change in order to reach my vision? And so he spends a year retooling, and when he comes back and plays the first tournament, he doesn't do so well, and you hear these kind of words. He was a one-hit wonder. He's not all that people thought he would be. However, right after that, he went on to win eight tournaments in a row, which have not happened since World War II. When I heard that, my mind raced, since World War II, well, no wonder the guy won eight tournaments in a row during World War II because all the other great golfers were over in the war. (laughs) Eight straight tournaments because he paused to say, what about me needs to change? What about you needs to change in order to be all that God wants you to be? God has a vision for us and we've got to ask that question. He has a vision for you. You have to ask that question. When Kelly and I started dating, I, you, you know how it is when you get to that place, you say, this is going somewhere, which was my vision. <laughs> and I remember we, we had had several dates, but then this date came. She said, I, I, let's go out tonight. She wants to go eat Chinese food. Now you need to know, that I'm a picky eater and I'm sorry for that. That is not a good thing, but it's just the truth. And when you are a picky eater, you not only struggle with the taste of some foods, but the texture. Sometimes it's the texture as much as it's the taste. I don't know the rest of my family. They eat just about anything. So... She says to me on this date, now remember, this relationship, this was, this, she was my dream, still is my dream. I'm like, I want to marry her. She said, let's go eat Chinese food. (laughs) We go in, it's a buffet. Oh, God. You know, I could have like maybe found some chicken, like just plain chicken. We go down, she goes, You, you need some of this. And, he, and then I, re, I can remember it as I'm standing here, Mugugapan, which was an assortment of things. And I could see there, there's a lot of texture in that that I'm not gonna like. To which she says, You are gonna love this. See, she has no clue that I'm like this. And, and you know, you can't wuss out, not when you have a vision. And after after you're married, you got all kind of years to wuss out. Right now, you got a vision. So, I sat down and I looked at her and I said, "Take my hand. Let's pray." Ooh. And then, you know, when you're dating, you're all talking, and she takes the fork, and she puts it in that got there and she says, you got to taste this. You know, I could have done the spread action, you know, spread here, spread there. You know? and, and I, oh, ah, oh, I tell you, and I'm just going, Jesus, help me here. and. You know why I did that? Do you know why I sat there and ate that, which I, I just had never even considered in my life, doing something that you talk about stretchy. You talk about something that's uncomfortable, something you don't want to do. And I did it, and she thought I loved Chinese food. You know why? Because I had a vision. And I think the reason we resist the hard changes is because we've never really embraced vision. So we stay in our comfort zone, and we're not as loving as we should be, and we need to work on that. But we don't. We we should be more patient. We should be kind, gentle. But we don't. We wuss out because we have no vision or compelling vision. We don't want it bad enough to say, I'm going to retool. I don't have the Christianity that I need today for the long haul. I need to make some changes. I call on you, church. I call on myself. What about me needs to change in order to move forward in the vision? What about us would need to change so that we can be an expression to everyone around us of him because he's so rich and strong in us. It's like a fountain. There's so much of the life of Christ in us that it's the life of Christ through us. And may it be said of us as it was said of those... In the New Testament church, they recognized that those people had been with Jesus.